Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different jobs, different lives, but a lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts, I'm P.S. McKay, coming to you from a post-Thanksgiving rehab where I swear off all the stuffing and gravy for the rest of my life. And to be honest, we all know that that's going to be broken next year anyway. Please, it'll be broken by next week. <laughs> Probably. Well, I'm DT Cavman, and I'm coming to you from the opposite coast, finally. <laughs> the fully so we've been we've been connecting with you three quarters of the way across or maybe two thirds of the way across uh i think maybe maybe a third of the way across the country for five me. sevenths five four sevenths look i've moved <laughs> this is the second time i've moved since we started doing this just remember that this is true this is true <laughs> and there's likely at least one move left before <laughs> we hit one year at this. Yes. So you are you are officially amongst your people again. How does it feel? Uh well, I, I guess wicked good. <laughs> wicked good. <laughs> you know, as soon as I moved out to the West Coast, I immediately dropped the term wicked, and I there was Best. no. I, I didn't do it on purpose. It just dropped from my vernacular subconsciously. No idea why. But I used to use that every other word. Well, it, I, I, I've i used it to enable me to stand out amongst many people who use y'all and stuff too much. <laughs> which Which is understandable. You know, you got to do something to stand out. So how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, well, it was a little problematic. You know, the missus problematic. Well, the missus was on call on the actual day. Ah. Uh. So we had to. We did it Wednesday night, and of course, you knew what what was going on with my my knees all week. Mm-hmm. And it only just started to feel better the last couple of days. So, uh, you know. Wednesday was supposed to be our Thanksgiving day, but she got called in to work in the morning. Uh, I took our little one to to get a couple of errands done, and I had to go for more doctor's appointments. And and then we had dinner, which was delightful. That's nice. She was on call on the holiday, but fortunately did not get called in. Oh, that's nice. But it's Even better. Very, it's, but it's kind of stressful. She, you can't really relax when no. you're on call. So, no, you cannot. So we just did a couple of things because I actually left on Saturday to come out here. That's right. Uh, How long was the drive? About uh, 10, 12 hours. Well, it was. I did it in two chunks. I drove uh, from the Midwest to western new england to see my grandmother mm-hmm. i spent a night there and then i made okay. my way uh to the coast and i you know that was another you know it was about 10 hours on saturday and about three on on sunday morning and get into town and got to see uh the the folks and then 
my sister and we watched football and well the the dad sis and me watched the game mom was not interested (laughs) at all well just like that the patriots are number one in the afc east they are they are number two in the afc so all doesn't seem as lost as it felt earlier which is you know that's why we play the game right already have a better record than we did all of last year right <laughs> it's, this year's just been you know and of course it's the last six weeks since they went on that tear but you just feel a little bit better it feels like there's a little bit more normalcy in your mm-hmm. in our world here <laughs> Your wor- the world feels better when the the Pats are clicking, and they're winning, and well, it, it's normal. That that's the funny part about it being a New Englander now is if it, it feels normal when the Pats are winning. Well, the Mac attack seems to be working, and uh, <laughs> you know, it it kids gotten some has had to face down. You know, Tom Brady Ugh. and almost beat Tom Brady, almost beat Dak Prescott. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah, and no, then, I mean, you can't, course, you can't, uh, can't discount his, the effort that he gave in his, nope. what, this is his rookie year? Yep. So, so much for the whole thing that Alabama quarterbacks aren't really much to speak of. Well, I, uh, most of I them are. <laughs> I think currently they're slinging better than USC quarterbacks do. Hey, wait, wait, hold on. Lincoln Riley just got hired. USC just went ahead and upended the entire college football world by going ahead and stealing Lincoln Riley from OU, which caused <laughs> which caused LSU to steal Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, <laughs> which that, broke, which a, just that caused... broke a lot of hearts back here, man. Oh you know yeah. Where... You know where he went to school, right? Uh, Brian Kelly? Yeah. Mm, no, I, I'd be lying if I said I did. Assumption. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you know who all went to Assumption without making an assumption about who went to it? Uh, your sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my progenitors. Yes, and your progenitors. That's right. I forgot. Well, it it doesn't matter because Brian Kelly killed a kid. So, well, I mean. <laughs> it was a, it was a big deal because he left a Catholic school. Right, goes to a small Catholic school in New England, and then becomes the head coach of the biggest Catholic football program in the country, Sur- surpassing Newt Rockney in the number of wins. By the way, this year. True, <laughs> but he did not surpass Newt Rockney in silent letters. Oh God damn it, <laughs> Brian Kelly! There are no silent letters in Brian Kelly. I had to actually sound that out. You, you heard that? <laughs> I did, and I giggled like a schoolgirl. So I loved it, though. I love. Okay, so this is not a sports podcast, but we're gonna devolve a little bit because we don't have much to talk about. Um, <laughs> Always have something to talk about. 
we just didn't pinpoint a topic this week. We really didn't plan ahead on this one. Um, I was a fan of uh, Notre Dame Twitter last night because... Lincoln Riley flew in L.A. They did the whole press conference introducing him uh, as the new head coach for USC. And, uh, you know, I've been at Notre Dame. I I ran out on that field back in the day, um, which was pretty incredible. Um, And I met Rudy, too. Did I tell you that? Did you meet Rudy or did you meet Sean Astin? No, I met I met the real Rudy, real the real Rudy Rudiger. He actually flagged me down and and and, and trapped me because that's what he does. He traps people <laughs> and starts talking to you. <laughs> Did you see and the he movie? Can't get away, you... huh? Yeah, I've I've worked for bosses like that. Yeah. So, you know, after the press conference yesterday, a rumor started abounding about how much SC paid for uh, Lincoln and the the off the off. Off the record thought is they paid $110 million for a 10-year contract, um, plus bonuses, plus paying off his home, or buying his homes in, in the two homes in Oklahoma, uh, and buying the $6 million home in L.A. for his family, and allowing unlimited jet use of the private jet for his family 24-7. Oh, God, for the love, for the love of God, shoot me. <laughs> this is what it's turned into now with the name image likeness era with college football. It's becoming bigger business now because players well, want to have their images be, pay them now. And so schools got to accommodate for that. And the only way to do that is you got to have a winning coach with you now. So because God damn, did I watch the my program languish for the last 10 years? Holy hell. Um, anyway, uh, I also have been all of the uh, recruiting improprieties of things like Pete Carroll and you know Reggie Bush and all that. There were no but, in, there were no recruiting improprieties. You're talking about you're talking or, about there were no in, no no hold on no <laughs> you've been listening to CNN who does not like I come on you of all people should know that ESPN does not tell the truth. Of course not. Okay, so don't don't Price think that they're telling the truth with SC and, and the, the Reggie shit. Bush scandal. <laughs> Look, if if ESPN actually was an unbiased sports thing and they weren't spending so much time kissing the Manning family's ass or propping up weak franchises like the New York Jets and you know all this other garbage that they do, uh, then they would they would be the most popular sports, you know, network and everything again, but they're not, there's sports everywhere. The only thing is they, you know, they're not even the only all sports network anymore. Mm-mm. So, I mean, <clears throat> it's, you think that they, they have up their game for quality, but they're devolving their quality to crap. And well, I mean, here's the thing. They used to Uh, to have the cream cream of all the analysts and insiders and everything. They were all top of the line. But now NFL Network, MLB Network, Fox Sports, Sports, uh, all the conferences have their own channels now. Big Ten Conference, 
uh, SEC conference. They all have their own channels. So, I mean, now you don't get like everybody, you know, the, 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 it's watered down. Okay. That's why I, I can, I can understand have, that. So that's why you have shitty announcers now on pro football. There's <laughs> so like the <laughs> no good teams. There's nobody that somebody tunes in and says, I really like to listen to this team. They know what they're doing. True. Tony Romo sucks. He's always sucked. He's been <laughs> terrible. His commercials on for Tostitos and whatever they're the ones with the, the, the chips is disgusting. Um, he made me long. I felt more disgusted seeing that commercial than I did when I was laid up in the hospital with COVID. So Jesus, awful. So he's bad. And now he's like, Oh, he can't not make a, a quarterback comment without referring to himself, his own career. And he's trying to make it seem like he was in the same league as Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. The guy won like two playoff games in a decade. Okay. Kiss my ass. He did date uh he did date Jessica Simpson for a little while. So <laughs> for a minute. I'd be, more, I'd, make, I'd be more impressed if he dated OJ Simpson. Ooh, I think the world would be pretty more impressed with that, actually, yes. So... Well, if Tony got out with his head on top, sure. <laughs> oh, God. But, you know, just no. And Troy Aikman sounds concussed half the time. Joe Buck is an arrogant prick. I hate listening to him. And I have to deal with him when he does baseball, you know? Yeah. Joe Buck deserves a Louisville slugger to the nuts. He is fun to listen to when he's um, being interviewed in long form. When he's not announcing, he's actually a fun interview. Oh, I hate him so much. I know, I know, (laughs) but but he's a he's he's a fun interview when he's not announcing. I gotta say that. All I'm saying, I miss John Madden, dude. Somebody who just oh, kind of yeah. goes off on weird tangents and has a personality. Keith Jackson. Ah, I mean, oh, Keith Jackson. Oh. I mean, now, basically, the people with the most personalities don't end up... Your color guy isn't even really a real color guy anymore. You know, they're all bland as shit. You know, the personality... Brent was the last of them. The personalities are now in the in the analyst booth. That's why... ESPN Sunday Countdown is still pretty damn good because Randy mm-hmm. Moss is entertaining. Teddy Bruschi is entertaining. Rex Ryan most certainly is entertaining. He's wrong as fuck half the time, but he's entertaining. <laughs> you know, Hasselbeck's pretty good. He has to play this. He has to play the straight man as much uh, just because he doesn't have quite the personality level, but he's good. He's insightful. <laughs> he's not a schmuck. You know. Yeah, the 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 the, the pregame teams are far more interested to listen to than the announcers, which is interesting, and it's and bad. disheartening. It is. <laughs> it's very disheartening. I mean, because you're there for the game. Mm-hmm. But. And and the announcers are either so 
bland that they don't make any impact or they're so annoying that they detract. They're supposed to enhance. You're supposed to have a journalist who can actually speak like a human and you're supposed to have a, a colored guy who's like either a former coach or player who can give you the insight. And when they can't do that, defeats the purpose. Okay? I'd rather just go to the game, watch it, and listen to the stadium guy saying, first down, and <laughs> touchdown. It's, yeah. it's about as effective. Okay? I mean, it's almost like watching a Star Trek show that's not centered around a captain with a personality. Oh, I wonder to what you're referring. Huh. No, look, every captain <laughs> had a personality. Just some have been weirder than others. Okay? I mean, that's, and this is, this is why you don't see And this is why Spock was better not sitting in the center seat. Well, yeah, but that's Hollywood for you. <laughs> I mean, you, you right. need you need the captain not only to steer the ship, but to steer the show. Well, and, you know, I know a lot of people got on Picard early because he was so measured and everything. But, you know, I mean, they were kind of making a, a difference with them. Um, you know, Kirk was supposed to be young, brash. He was like a 30-year-old starship captain, the youngest captain in Starfleet. And Picard, right, and Picard, by the time of the next generation, was already like twice that. and had been mm-hmm. a captain for 20 years. So, I mean, you would hope that he's not the same brash, fuck first, ask questions later kind of guy that Kirk was. <laughs> Well, Riker tried to make him that way pretty hard. <laughs> That's okay. Picard didn't have to because that was Riker's job. Yes. <laughs> and look at that. We turned football into into Star Trek. All I'm saying is I just want to say it was fun to watch uh, Irish Twitter make fun of SC for how much they paid for Lincoln Riley and then slowly realize that Brian Kelly was leaving. As that Twitter thread unfolded and that meltdown ensued, it was delicious. <laughs> and I'm saying that as an Irishman who grew up in the Northeast. <laughs> and let me say, for a rivalry that's had about as much personality as Troy Aikman and Joy, Joe Buck uh, the last few years, um, you guys are grasping at straws now. What do you mean? <laughs> That USC Notre Dame rivalry hasn't been relevant in years. No, no, because USC's made all the wrong moves and its administration is trying to fix that. There are zero people in the sports uh, in the sports department um, now that were there two years ago. <clears throat> so that was the, it was the only way that we could make this move with the coaches. So that being said, <sighs> the future is bright. And Brian Kelly so is gone. Bright, you gotta wear shades. <laughs> Damn it! I, I didn't even think about. Ah, my sunglasses are in the other room. I Shoot. wear sunglasses <laughs> at night. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, 2004 called. Jesus, the killer. 2004. Both of those were like 80s songs, dude. 
Wait a minute. No, but it wasn't. A, wasn't it a remake? Didn't the Killers do a remake of Sunglasses at Night? Probably. Oh, now you're going to make me look it up. Son of a bitch. Wear my sunglasses at night, indeed. In the morning, that's when you need to wear them. Sun's at an angle. <laughs> like Bender when he's going back in time. Why are you wearing those goofy sunglasses? It's really bright in the past. <laughs> it's really bright in the past. Uh, you know what? I was wrong. And it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong. Uh, DT, admit you're wrong. <laughs> did, was it the killers who did it? Uh, Corey Hart. But that I, I didn't. Say Corey Hart, who did yeah. It. I didn't say who did it. No, but it came out in the '80s. Yes, so you were wrong. I said uh, it was the what? '80s. No, that's why I said it. it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong. So you should admit you're wrong. <laughs> keep, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Oh, I missed the cut. I missed the. I missed the hook. Ah, oh, shoot. Well, just oh well. All fails tonight, aren't you? <laughs> it's all fails tonight. All fails. You're not hitting the bullseye, Hawkeye. No, but I did watch the first two episodes. How about you? I did. What'd you think? I think I would have rolled my eyes as hard as Clint did watching that Rogers musical. <laughs> and having Ant-Man there <laughs> front and center. <laughs> it was hard to tell that that was Ant-Man. Yeah, I, I only I only knew because they referenced it on Twitter. Someone was talking about, oh, Ant-Man's in this. Oh, maybe because he was there in Endgame, and that's why people think that he was there. But, nah, nah. That doesn't sense. <laughs> yeah, nah. So, but I liked how they played that up, that he was there. <laughs> of course. So flamboyantly played. And <laughs> you know, but what, what's, what was good was that you got to see just how much He's bothered by what happened during the past. You know, he keeps flashing. You know, he's having, you know, a couple a, a flashbacks as the Ronin. Natasha yeah. And his actions with Ronin, which is good. You know, I mean. The Ronin. Not to be confused with Ronin, the, the Inquisitor. Uh, yes. Uh, no, differences matter. Prisoner, Ronan the Accuser. Uh, oh, the Accuser. God, yes, you are correct. Oh, but tell me that wouldn't have been a great ad for Kenobi to have Lee Pace play one of the Inquisitors. Oh. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. God damn. Victory is mine. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if you've read any of the reviews on Hawkeye. I, 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 I haven't, but I've been alluded to through a news aggregate site that the, the critics aren't, aren't too keen on it. I don't know why. Well, I know it's getting some, some bad press because I guess they're using the art style of the Hawkeye comic book. And I guess the guy, the artist isn't getting 
much in the way of royalties back from Marvel or oh, something like that. Well, welcome to Hollywood. That's, I mean, yeah, that that's that's the reality everywhere. Here's what I'll say. It's it's nice to see that none of the Marvel TV shows are doing anything that are really the same way. No, you are correct. Okay. Hawkeye, sixties style sitcoms with uh, WandaVision. Well, what what was yeah, and what was great about that is that you slowly start to see that this is part of Wanda's unraveling psyche, mm-hmm. which adds a lot of gravitas to that. Oh yeah. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There was definitely a lot of dealing with prejudice and racism, mm-hmm. and, and you know some interesting fallout from the blip. I still hate that they call it the blip. Yeah, I know. So when when the kids said it in Spider Man, I was like, well, that makes sense. Sounds like something a dumbass high school kid would say. Right. No, Actually, they're calling it, it the blip. I hate that. Everywhere. The snap, you know, that's what we recalled it because he snapped it. That's what it was for like a year and a half. And they're like, but you know who witnessed it? You know who witnessed the snap? Thor. That was it. Only Thor witnessed the snap. Yeah, I know. I know. But still. (laughs) And Stanley. And yeah, well, the Watcher. That's true. The Watchers, Watchers. It was, yeah, so anyway, blip aside, but it, the way these TV shows are doing is they're doing things to fill in the gaps that the movies never really could, like what happened when they, when people came back and somebody else was living there now, Yeah, you come back and, you know, you, you, borders were opened and refugees were able to move freely and now people are back, you know, like, bitch, get out of my place. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been here for five years. You know, they haven't and... really done anything about the whole uh, uh, a wife or a husband uh, or a spouse has been blipped, but the other stayed and then they moved on. That hasn't been, but you know. It, well, you know, what was interesting was they had that um, little blurb in Far From Home. Where <laughs> the, the teacher. teacher's like, he's like, yeah, I, I thought she was blipped, and it turns out she just left me. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty well. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but uh, Hawkeye, um, they all, they all had their own styles. Yeah, each show. And Loki was like this, it's like know. meta, bizarre. Yeah, I, I felt like I was in an airport in the eighties. It almost looked uh, like it might have been like a Doctor Who kind of thing. Yeah, or or like the 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 show The Prisoner. The the you hear you know what I'm talking about, right? The prisoner is on this weird island, or anyway, he tries to get out, but it's all like mind bendy, like whatever. Um, but Hawkeye, I found interesting because it. You're right; it's different from the others, and I don't know. If you and I aren't on the same page on this one. But I like that it's simple. Yeah. Well, Hawkeye's point is simple. We're starting to unravel 
you know, in the first two episodes, you realize that there's something going on in New York City's underworld. Right. And how much of uh, Kate Bishop's family is actually involved in it. <laughs> oh, God. Because yeah. it definitely looks like her soon-to-be stepfather is knee-deep in it. But it almost mm-hmm. looks like her mother might be involved some way, too. Uh, and, you know, what? she doesn't seem like the simple damsel in distress, either, Her the mother. Well, why would you why would you pick Vera Farmiga for that, anyway? <laughs> you can almost tell by sometimes when they choose the actors or actresses, like... <sighs> They're up to something. Yeah. <laughs> There's something behind it. Yeah. Um, but I, I I did like the simplicity of it where Hawkeye is on vacation with his kids. And I do I do like that he's still with his wife. That first that first trailer where we never saw his wife, we only saw him and his kids gave us yeah. the impression that it's like, oh, no, what happened to his wife? Well, um, she found out what he did is Ronan and said, deuces. <laughs> Then again, you would almost think if if she was going to leave him for that, then she wouldn't let him see the kids either. Oh yeah, n- exactly. So, but and they explain it right. like she, you know, they explain it. It was his time to spend with the kids by by themselves while she got the house ready for the holidays, and and that 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 worked out well. I also yeah, I I am a little disappointed because I would. I liked the limited amount of time. I I liked Linda Carlini's interactions with Jeremy Renner in Age of Ultron. And I really wish that we got a little more Laura Barton because she seems, well, she's definitely the brains of the operation. (laughs) And she, like, when when he's calling and he's talking about the tracksuit mafia, she's like, those and she's like, those idiots. Yeah, those idiots. She knows about, like, she's she's not some, she's not Lois Lane, you know, dating, you know, Clark Kent and, you know, crushing on Superman, you know. She is not a naive wife. Yeah, so there's none of that love interest who doesn't know the, the, secret identity kind of thing. And so I do feel that she is one of those characters who she doesn't need to have her own spin-off movie or TV show or anything. And she doesn't need to be like a, you know, co-starring role, but I do think that she's a character who could be utilized a little bit more, which I also think would strengthen Hawkeye as well. I thought she was a pretty well done or she was had a very promising character. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I, I completely agree. I've always yeah. been a fan of Linda Cardellini ever since Boy Meets World. So yeah, I mean, she's a good actress. She's a beautiful woman. She's got pretty decent versatility as an actress. So I mean, yeah, sure. Plus, you know, you figure you got to see a more interesting side of Barton in Age of Ultron, which people weren't expecting, which is good because... No one expected it, yeah. Right, so it actually gives Clint a little bit more gravitas and a little bit more... There, There's another reason why he's important to the Avengers is because he is the most physically human of all of them. Obviously, Natasha's mm-hmm. things done to her everything 
I mean, I know in the comic books, I think she had like some form of weaker version of a super soldier serum that they were giving in the Black Widow project, but I don't, the the MCU hasn't really alluded to that, but, you know, still super spy, you know, all that stuff. But Clint, Clint, I mean, he's very well-trained. Just like Natasha, I mean, they're the two physically human characters. But. I've always, I've always, well, I've always assumed that they had a low-grade superpower that they were born with. Because Clint's got an innate ability to see things from far away. And he's also got this intuition with, with well, an that, amazing that dexterity. Blind, that blind bank, that blind arrow shot that he did in the, the first blind movie, arrow shot which is the, the one that they reused for the opening scenes in the first episode of hawkeye right yeah and then so that and the fact that um he during the molotov cocktail scene he he smashes the window before the cock the the, the bottle hits it so you grab the, co- the the bottle and then throw it back out and that that's a level of, of precognition and, and dexterity that you got to have like a superpower for that. Well, it's reasons like that where there's been a lot of fan theories as to that Han Solo is force sensitive. Because in some of these uh, gun battles he's in where he's like shooting blindly and just picking off stormtroopers, you know, particularly in the fight. Um, <laughs> outside Ma- Maz Kanata's in mm-hmm. uh, The Force Awakens and he's like yelling at Chewie and shooting his blaster and killing dudes like I mean in his luck and his piloting skills maybe he's a little sensitive and he's he's got some precognition it's kind of like that plus yeah yeah Clint's a, Clint's a little Han Solo-ish kind of surly um <laughs> Rye yeah. humor, yeah, not 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 so much a rogue necessarily or a a, a rogue bandit. Yeah, well, uh, no, no, nope. I take that back. I take that back. Clint sure as hell was. <laughs> the entire plot of of uh, of the show Hawkeye is him trying to get the at least the first two episodes is him trying to get the Ronin suit back. So, <laughs> but what did, what did you think of the LARPing scene? Oh, that was so great. Oh, I mean, he's it's just like, walking through like, like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta beat you. Like, no I, way, man. Like, I thought, I fought Thanos. <laughs> I fought Thanos. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like that where he, he like is about, he wants to shoot Pietro in the back in Age of Ultron. Yeah. No. Nobody oh. would know. I don't know. One of those <laughs> Ultron things was sitting on his head. <laughs> that 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 was good. That was brilliantly well done. Um, yeah. So. And then we got introduced or a tease to whom we assume is Echo at the end of episode two. Yeah. Pretty impressive. The actress is both an amputee. And deaf. So. I am totally about to cough right now. <clears throat> um, 
<laughs> I've got a cough button for that, but apparently I didn't use it. Um, <laughs> so now the question is, and I've been hearing theories. Kingpin. Kingpin. Because Echo is Kingpin's daughter, adopted daughter. I would love to see Vincent D'Onofrio back. I mean, for one, he's he's a hell of an actor. And two, he brought something different to the Kingpin than anything else you've really seen. You know, this kind of tortured, just bubbling cauldron of rage. Yep. You know, but there's like so much insecurity in there as well. It was fascinating to watch him. Mm-hmm. Like when he would go from being really like kind of meek and deferring to like this woman he was with to smashing that dude's head with a fucking car door. <laughs> So much that the dude had like assistant's name Wesley. Oh, that guy! I couldn't wait for that guy to die. And he (laughs) and he died in such an inglorious manner. It was perfect. How did he he die? I forget. It's been six years since I saw that. He, I think it was. I think he held Karen captive and was toying with her, and left the gun out on the table, and she just grabbed it and shot him. That's right. He was, was something along that line, yeah. He was like live action Smithers, but not nearly <laughs> as funny. No, no. He, oh. I mean, the guy did a great job of being a guy you just really wanted someone to shoot in the face. True, true. Little smug, little no. little smarmy. Way too smug and smarmy. <laughs> I mean, it was it was that level. Like Loki is the right kind of smug, right? That's mm-hmm. that just works. You know, because he can pull it off. This guy really couldn't, you know, because he was he was a henchman. Really, he was he was the 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 genteel stooge and it blew up in his face. It's great. Yeah. So yeah, you ever like see one of those moments in, a, in like the TV or movies that it's like just like so like a left field moment like that where you just like go like, oh. Like you're half laughing, half shocked, and like that was uh that was yeah, that was my moment in Deep Blue Sea with Samuel L. Jackson trying to pump everyone up. Yeah, that was a good one. Give that inspirational story and then he's snatched. (laughs) Or or DiCaprio getting shot in the head in the elevator to the departed. Oh man, yeah. Because that came out of nowhere, right? That's true. Yeah. Shoot. That was, that See, that's a moment you got to think about. Yeah. Wasn't he shot by Marky Mark? No. Marky Mark is who shot Matt Damon at the end of the movie with the oh, rat. Oh, that's right. That's no, right. He was shot by the other mole that uh, Jack Nicholson had. That's right. Okay. And Matt Damon shoots him to cover up everything. Right. They literally Ugh. had like, oh, and they had already capped Anthony Anderson in the face too. Like three dudes got literally shot in the face <laughs> in like five minutes in this one scene. I was reading that every every person who is about to die in the previous scene that they're featured in has an X behind them. Yeah. Uh. Maybe Scorsese, I think, leaned a little too heavy um, in some of the uh, 
trying to be clever kind of things, like the rat at the end. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> like the Simpsons, Ralph Wiggum. The rat is for obviousness. <laughs> it was a good movie, though. It was a really good movie. <laughs> I will say my least favorite Scorsese movie, and we're going off topic, but Hugo. Hmm. You see that one? Know. Period film took place in... Um, Shoot, was it France or turn of the century France, 1903 France, oh, I believe. Definitely wouldn't have interested me. Yeah, well, I mean, it was all about film and the French director Milieu or whatever his name was. I, I forget, but it was it was basically just one big pat on the back for all of Hollywood and ugh, they were using 3D in this movie to try to emphasize how cinema was such a new technology back at the turn of the 20th century. It was just, it was overly rife with shallow meaning. <laughs> so he's made some great movies, but he's also pushed his luck at times. And I, I, with as much respect to both him and Ridley Scott. Take your superhero movie criticism and blow it out your ass, okay? <laughs> yes. Okay. You don't have to like it, but you don't have to be a dick about it, all right? That's it. It's not going to make you any more relevant. It's not going to make any of your movies any more popular. Nope. And not obviously, in the slightest. if you're that pissed about it, make a superhero movie your way. See if that works. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. I'm trying to find out. I wrote a whole dissertation about Hugo. Not a dissertation, but a comment on it that was very. It captured my thoughts at the time, and I can't. I don't remember the person I wrote it to. I went to college with him and everything. Meh. I'm not going to find it. <laughs> oh, well. So, it wasn't that important. Anyway, um, back to Hawkeye. I heard, speaking of uh, the mafia and everything. Uh-oh. I think I lost uh, DT here. Uh-oh. Yep, I think I lost you. Looks like I'm going to have to do what now? You're going to have to do a splice job. No, that's my entire life, a splice job. Anyway, we're back. So, DT had some technical difficulties, no big deal. Um, before you rudely did the Irish goodbye on me, like Brian Kelly did to Notre Dame, um, <laughs> uh, Rumor has it that uh, Kingpin bought Avengers Tower. That would be an interesting uh, one to see. Uh, a lot of people were hoping that it was going to be the Fantastic Four Oscorp, but I think it would be great if it was Kingpin. But I can't, I mean, now the question is, it sounds like if it is 
even if it is Vincent D'Onofrio, it's not going to be the exact same version from the TV show. He won't be as ruthless. <laughs> well, no, like they're like they all do and erase the TV shows. Well, Basically. yeah. But you you gotta thank you gotta thank Ike Perlmutter for that. So uh and Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb? Loeb. Wait, no, the guy from Tiger King? Uh that just gave me heartburn, dude. That literally, I just, I just had a moment where it just all came up to the back of my throat. Like, oh, a... all, all you can do is picture some aging douchebag in affliction t-shirts and a do rag oh. taking oh over god. control of Avengers Tower. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> I, now here's the thing: I, if people are saying that Oscorp bought that. I don't think so because. Uh, that would require Marvel to rely a little too heavily on Sony to play nice with them. And I, yeah, I think exactly. that, I think that puts them at a disadvantage that they don't want to, to give up here. Um, so it's either fantastic for the Baxter building or it's Kingpin's uh, home office. So. Yes. I, I... That would be interesting. It would be a great, um, be a nice twist, I think. And they alluded to it too, like when uh, Kate was saying, "Well, why don't we just go to Avengers Tower?" And he goes, "Stark sold it." So she's like, "Oh." But we, <laughs> yeah, and she was real bummed about that. But we knew that he was selling it in Spider-Man: Homecoming, where there were right. Well, we the knew sh- that. Which, right, but what's the deal? Why are they playing the long game on who bought this tower? Well, the they're real playing question, a very long game on this one. Question is though, okay, why does the city still think he owns it? Because I don't think the city is, thinks he owns it. Well, she lives in this. She lives. She's a New Yorker. Yeah, but she was also what fifteen. When the when the the thing got, I mean, yeah, when the the building got sold, maybe. I mean, it I was twenty seventeen, right? I think, or twenty sixteen, or whatever. In Marvel world, twenty sixteen. So when, what? I mean, if we go by twenty twelve, when Avengers happened and she was inspired to become a you know a hero, she was how old? What? Eight, eight nine, and she so, yeah. When the when it was sold in 2016, maybe 2017, 14. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be paying attention to to <laughs> real estate right. <laughs> at that point. But but it was Avengers Tower. Okay, True. sure, everybody knew, especially if kids, right? I mean, I mean that was. That whole deleted scene in the um, in the Avengers where Cap's sitting sketching Stark Tower. Yeah. The waitress is like, are you here to watch Iron Man fly through? Yeah. Sometimes you see him. <laughs> I mean, since, since it's all pretty well defined by this time in the MCU that heroes are real, 
we know who most of them actually are. Mm-hmm. And they're very public, you know. It's wouldn't be surprising if that it would it would have been surprising that if because Tony sold it and then it's five years. Now we don't know it's hard to tell because sometimes they say who was blipped and who wasn't blipped. But I mean, was Kate blipped? Was she not blipped? I'm gonna go with not. I guess she's in college. It would have been about ten years since since Avengers, and she was nine. So add ten years, like I mean, she's like she's she's twenty two, right? So she might have been eleven or twelve when Avengers hit. So she said she was twenty two. Um, I forgot your point. I forgot which direction you were going. <laughs> the point. My point being is, if she was that a big a fan of the Avengers, ah. Uh, and it was that long ago if she wasn't flipped. How particularly not somebody in money from money probably would have tangentially families who probably would have somewhat floated near Stark circles. Just so I think the long game is, you know, if if the Kingpin is not the same exact version of Kingpin from the Netflix shows, who's already gone to prison and all that, everybody knows he's a criminal, then now you see it being like a long game. And maybe, you know, we don't know that Wilson Fisk is the Kingpin, is the bad guy. You know, so, oh, some business guy bought up the Avengers Tower? Well, that's weak. You know. Well, I mean, that's the point, right? I don't know. I don't know. I think we're I think we're losing steam on this one. Perhaps. <laughs> anyway, it 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 adds a very interesting thing, like because remember in in Far From Home, Spider Man is flinging is swinging through a now gap in Avengers Tower. Mm-hmm. You know that open air garden that's like halfway up the tower now, which didn't exist in Avengers or Age of Ultron. Right. Yeah, I, I. And you know what? I, to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get much more out of Avengers Tower, right? Because it was Stark Tower and Avengers. It was really only Avengers Tower and Age of Ultron, and like at the very end of you know Spider Man, a little you don't yeah you, know, you get a little blip of it on the radar in in uh, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. I mean, and what the hell goes on at the Avengers compound in New York? Like, at the end of Age of Ultron, it, there's like a fucking army there. <laughs> well, it's Re- S.H.I.E.L.D. It <laughs> right, it looked <laughs> like they were rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D. there. Right? Yeah. And so they've got troops, and they've got Selvig, and Maria Hill, and Dr. Cho, and, and Nick Fury, and they're there. And then you flash forward to Ant-Man, and it's just Sam flying around. Where is now, everybody? Uh, <laughs> who was Sam? Who was Sam talking to? It wasn't. Didn't sound like Natasha. But it, no. If it, it was, it was uh, Stephanie, the the IT lady. I mean, <laughs> you're reading too much into this. 
<laughs> but then, but then, yeah. it, it, but then, look at look at uh, Civil War. The only people you see at Avengers Compound then are the Avengers. And well, that was the living wrong. quarters. But still, dude, an army doesn't stay that quiet. Uh, well, I mean, it was dark. How about when Clint blew up the bomb to distract Vision? We didn't see else? much of the reaction outside. We only saw Vision just go. Right. It just it. It's weird. It's <laughs> like the if you know. It's like there were less and less people in that building as each movie passed on. <laughs> well, yeah, because they have to pay Robert Downey Jr. more and more. So <laughs> they didn't. They didn't need to pay Robert Downey Jr. anything to have a shitload of extras running around in the background. <sighs> They get paid $50 a day. <laughs> so. You could hire a hundred extras for like um for like three months. Or you could hire like 300 extras for like three months and still not have to get close to Robert Downey Jr.'s salary. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, but. let's just go on there. Or you can pay 10 extras and digitally copy all of them. <laughs> like they like Star Wars does. That costs money though. Cloning costs money. <laughs> Not Robert Downey Jr. money. No, true. True. Um but, and, but still, anyway. So you know, I, I look forward to see where they go with this. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night and watching Hawkeye and seeing what episode three has going on. Um it'll be interesting to see. You know, now now there's a murder. You know, there's corruption. There's, you know, how did how did everybody get this salvage shit from Avengers Compound? I mean, and what's with the watch? Whose watch is it? Is it Tony's watch? I think it was Tony's watch. Kind of looks like it was Cap's watch, considering how old it looked. <laughs> I mean, your guess is as good as mine. We're going to find out. Um, a uh, one thing before we leave that I want to chew on this show more than any other movie or show in the MCU. Maybe, maybe aside from Spider Man, um, really emphasized the benefits of having a secret identity. <laughs> Uh, which is interesting because this entire universe begins with I am Iron Man in front of all the press and no right. superhero had a secret identity. We all knew Steve Rogers was Captain America. We all knew Thor was Thor. He never took on his alternative identity. Um, it's pretty weak anyway. Yeah, you know, totally. But I mean, and Clint Barton was Hawkeye. Uh, you know, we knew Black Widow. I mean, it was all there. It was all out in the open. But I, you know, but but you know, Clint went under a hooded mask. You know, I mean, right, and became the Ronin and killed so many bad guys. <laughs> and and then where with Kate Bishop wearing that same outfit, which I'm shocked that that Larper wasn't killed immediately in the subway. Um. <laughs> wearing the same outfit, but she was she was tracked down all the way to her apartment wearing that thing. 
because you know how, of how what a lightning rod that that suit is. You you know what though, I gotta say I do find the tracksuit mafia amusing. Oh, deli- they're deliciously awful! Awful! It's great. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they're supposed to bunch of <laughs> bunch of Russian thugs in tracksuits calling everybody bro. Yeah, <laughs> I. I I, I don't know if they really exist in the comics or not, to be honest with you. They do. But apparently one of the names they go by is the tracksuit Draculas. Huh. So the tracksuit tra- from, from Romania. Sound, I mean, apparently these guys are very similar in how they speak and act to the, how they are in the comics. So hmm. I, they, they are kind of enjoyable. Well, there we go. So, but like this, I do, I do look forward to the next episode that's coming out tomorrow, which I probably won't be able to watch until the weekend. And I'll have to reconvince Mrs. McKay to watch it with me. She went and she does, she went and kicking and screaming as with most Marvel shows. And then she's, she thoroughly enjoys them as we're watching them. So... Anyway, does she like seeing Jeremy Renner walk running around with his, you know, bare arms or something? Uh, no, but she freaking loved him LARPing. <laughs> she she almost choked on her wine. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I yeah, I mean, I don't think there's higher praise than me being able to say I look forward to the next episode and I want to see what happens next, as opposed to. Discovery where I'm like, oh, yeah, there's another episode last week. I totally forgot. And I'll. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll say this with Discovery. It's good to have Saru back on the ship because he does yeah. bring balance and a little bit of calmness to everybody else who's a spaz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I, I, I can see that. I can see that. They let they let one of the background bridge guys actually make a contribution this week, so that oh. was nice. Um, was it important? Uh, it helped uh, them ex- extract the the MacGuffin from the Exodus Machina, and <laughs> there seems to be a lot of MacGuffins and Exodus Machinas in Discovery for some reason. A whole lot. <laughs> that's because they do the whole long running thing you know star star trek was kind of you know weekly mcguffin for a long time but it was you know it was but it was the story of the week they went and did something different every time yeah you know, very rarely was there you know any flashback to something else but i mean it it is what it is we'll see um, yeah i do look forward to hawkeye though because you know, I, here's one interesting thing. Uh, Hawkeye right now might be the most uh, uh, handy capable, handy, uh, you know, handicap friendly uh, superhero show. You know, Hawkeye's going deaf. He's losing his hearing. He's got hearing aids. Oh, yeah. Got I didn't a, think about got that. Deaf, You're right. There is that connection there, isn't that? Yeah. Echo is deaf. She's an amputee. And Lucky's got missing an eye. I mean, oh, lucky! <laughs> pretty rough group. <laughs> it is. It's a ragtag bunch, isn't it? 
Well, it's kind of funny. It's like, are you going deaf? And he's like, like, how'd you, how'd you damage your hearing? And there's all those flashbacks to like Clint getting his yeah. ass kicked at every Avengers <laughs> movie. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> just an onset. <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty good line too. Yeah. Um, but I, what I look forward to, and it'll be interesting to see, I do think that you will see there's been some talk that if the organized crime is involved and they're stealing tech, if this may be an Easter egg for Armor Wars. Because if uh, I wouldn't doubt that. If they have Tony Stark tech, then this could be where that goes. And maybe it's Don Cheadle really going to be facing off against the Kingpin, who's mm-hmm. trying to build his own Justin Hammer army. If if I kid you not, if they do not have Sam Rockwell and with Justin Hammer in Armor Wars, they're missing out. Oh, he's obviously yeah. still alive. He was in All Hail the King. All Hail, Hail the King, the, yeah. Um, you know. And well, Sam Rockwell's now now he's got plenty of cash to to be a you know a sizable one, but he was an enjoyable character because he was just like such the anti-Stark. Yeah. You know. Uh, he was good. He was good. That was my first introduction to Sam Rockwell, Iron Man 2. Oh, you didn't remember from Galaxy Quest? I, 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 okay, let me just say this. My first formal introduction. I I didn't know that Sam Rockwell was Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. I just knew he was Guy. (laughs) We gotta get out of here before they kill Guy. (laughs) I know. So. This shit's funny. Uh, You know, but. But it'll be interesting because it does look like they're they're almost um, I'm getting a vibe with some of these shows that there's you know Disney's already kind of tipped its hand with Star Wars so Mandalorian Ahsoka Book of Boba Fett are definitely going to intersect. And some point with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes. So they've kind of tipped off that fact. So they're trying to build like a defenders level thing. It almost looks like, you know, we saw the Secret Wars. Mm -hmm. Maybe Secret Wars armor war some of these things you know will set up either a big tv event where you have like falcon and the winter you know captain america the winter soldier hawkeye and kate bishop and you know iron and uh war machine and some of these folks teaming up to maybe fight the scrolls or whatever scrolls are good guys Maybe a fraction of them are. I mean, what's the secret invasion? We don't know. What the hell was going on at the end of Spider-Man? Mm. What the hell is going on at the end of WandaVision? Right. I mean, Monica Rambo is going on up. I mean, to to uh, the space station. So I didn't mean to allude to 
the, that old sitcom. Oh my god. Um, what sitcom? I'm not even gonna say it. She, but I mean, they were sending her up to the space station. Uh, so, hmm. Well, one one of the things I don't want to hear that I've heard people kick around is that, you know, uh, obviously we saw Nick Fury and Maria Hill being. You know, they were not Nick Fury and Maria Hill through Far From Home. You know? Yeah. Um, you do see Nick Fury. He's in a hollow suite on a space station. Is he yeah. becoming Benjamin Sisko? No comment. He would have been an interesting Benjamin Cisco. Be a lot more motherfuckers being hurled at the Dominion. <laughs> you have to wonder. Samuel L. Jackson's a comic book geek. He's a Star Wars fan. Never mentioned about Star Trek, though. Maybe hmm. he's one of those people who does draw, you know, does take sides. Who knows? He might. You're not really hearing him talk about Batman and Superman either, though. So, well, no, it could just but... be the contract, my friend. <laughs> so, well, anyway, so I don't know. No, but... I do think that they are leading up to some kind of television event, whatever that might be. I mean, good Lord. I mean, you got you got She-Hulk, you got Kate Bishop, you got Monica Rambo, you got Secret Wars coming out. I mean, like you said, it's all there. And it's all kind of slowly being frameworked out. I mean, sky's the limit, the question, really. So the question is, how many of these series or stories are going to start interconnecting? Because a lot of the main characters know each other. Clint knows Sam and Rhodey and Wanda. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, that, I mean, at this point, it's all a, conjecture. He had a special affinity for Wanda. Sam you know, did? No. Um, Clint. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, from the speech in Age of Ultron to, mm-hmm. you know, the breaking him about a civil out of war compound. to the very end of Endgame where they're standing by, side by side at the lake. And they're know. talking, yeah. There's definitely a fatherly, big brother vibe there, which I would love to see, you know, if Wanda starts to, like, lose it. If, like, Jeremy Renner has a cameo as Hawkeye coming in to, like, try to help. Strange brings him in to help him ground Wanda or something like that, you know? That's a, that's an interesting thought. I mean, because that's totally plausible. Well, I mean, everybody she's ever loved has died. Parents, yeah, brother, lover, the the children, all of that. So if she's losing it, there's like one person on the planet who she still cares about and, and trusts, at least at one point. So I'm glad that they did ditch that, you know, at the end of Endgame. It was nice to see them have a little moment together. Yeah. 
it'll be interesting to see because some of these shows have have done a little with foreshadowing. You know, I mean, it was nice that the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier talked about Cap Captain America and the Winter Soldier will be coming back or something like that. And be interested to see there. Um, obviously, we need to get all the way through uh, Hawkeye before we can really start seeing anything else. But would surprise you if Rhodey shows up in a cameo in this? It wouldn't surprise me. If, Aven- <laughs> if Avenger stuff, if Tony Stark stuff is being put on the black market, who is the most logical choice of somebody to get involved? Well, Rhodey is part of the Department of Defense. Right. Plus, he's, well, he's getting his own show. So it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if, if something like this would dovetail, like, you know, into Armor Wars somewhere or one of these other shows. Do we know when Armor Wars is coming out? Well, I think all the others are coming out next year. And I, Maybe Armor Wars and Secret Invasion is 23. Hmm. Because there's there's no footage or anything. They didn't have anything, you're right. They've um, had footage for everything else. And they had a teaser of Sam Jackson, which could have just been him after a bender. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as I like to call it, Monday. Yeah. So... <laughs> Interesting. Just another manic Monday. Very manic. Very manic. Manic, motherfucker! Can you spell it? Well, I think the big takeaway is we have no idea what the hell is coming down the pipeline, and we can only just just conjecture. Um, But that's half the fun, isn't it? Well, (laughs) who knows? Maybe Lucky's a flirkin. (laughs) Could be. We don't know what happened to that cat. We have no idea. So, because <laughs> it wasn't, it, Captain Marvel didn't come back and get her. Well, okay. By the way, that was a big letdown with Sam Jackson's eye. I didn't, I didn't feel it that way. I thought I it was personally kind of a... didn't. I was not let down. I, <laughs> it was funny at first, but afterwards, it was kind of a letdown. The last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. But that's fury. He always says stuff out of proportion to make a point. I I know, but (laughs) I don't know. I was kind of. He's the spy. Uh, And I I admitted I liked it at first. And then afterwards, it was one of those. It's like, ah. uh, Feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, I wasn't disappointed. I can understand other people's disappointed, but I didn't. I didn't share it. So, I'm not someone who's going to go post a, a, a hate-filled rant on Reddit or Twitter or something about it. I just, you know, retrospect. In retrospect, it felt like a little bit more of a missed opportunity for me. I get it. Yeah. What would have been good if if the scrolls had some form of I don't know, laser sword or like one of the uh, or laser one of sword, one of the uh, Creel, the what were they? The Cree Cree Cree. Yeah. You know, because they had all sorts of weird weapons in that kind of douchey team of blue weirdos who, you know, was, you know, 
their strike force. And they could have had one with like an electric blade or something that Sam gets the eye, and that would have been some Star Wars nerd orgasm right there. Oh my god. <laughs> Do we end this podcast on you saying nerd orgasm? <laughs> uh no. I have one more <laughs> quick point. One more quick point to make. So I'll say this. Hawkeye feels like a little bit of a slow burn right now for me. Mm-hmm. Like they have some decent action. Kate Bishop is is capable, but also growing, and it it feels more natural because she's kind of fucking up, but she also has some serious skill, and there's she's definitely knows that some shit is off. Yes. And I like that about her, you know. I mean, she she doesn't just show up and be like super Billy badass, you know, ready to to go. I mean, she she's she's raw. Mm-hmm. She has the skills. But she doesn't really know how to apply them for what's going on. So she crashes through the fucking window, through <laughs> oh. the ceiling. <laughs> Like I'm gonna say, guns. I only brought my bow and arrow. <laughs> so, and what I do like is the Renner does a really good job of the pained look. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like if he rolled his eyes any harder at some of these situations, he'd sprain an eyeball. Yes, you know? yes, so. I physically felt that. So, so. it has some potential. I definitely think her mother's up to no good. I think her soon-to-be stepfather is just a douche clown. I mean, he's... Of course he has to be French, right? And I know that the character has some anti-hero and in, in stuff in relation to, to Clint, but he's a guy you just want to punch every time he talks. <laughs> Like, I think the French must want to punch him because I'm not sure that's a real accent he's doing. Uh, uh, cool. He just grosses me out. Yes. And then there's that. You know, there's just something we, there's just something wrong about him. And he's supposed to. You're not supposed to like this guy. No. He no. probably did kill his uncle. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, it. And there's something weird going on. Obviously. There's a black market fucking. If you're running a, a security company and you're having there's a black market auction underneath, either you're a really terrible security company or her mom knows a hell of a lot more than she's letting on. Oh yes, I think her mom <laughs> is is in deep. I think her mom is in charge. Maybe that would be uh, that's the, that would be the twist right there. You'd think it's him, but it's her. Maybe she's working directly for Fisk. Oh, ooh, ooh, even better. Maybe, maybe she's Fisk's woman, and she's just toying with French dude to get her hands on his sweet sword collection. I don't know. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, and on that euphemism, we should probably shut this shit down. So. <laughs> Damn it.
Oh, all right. All right, I'm pulling the plug on this one. <laughs> I hope you so, all enjoyed your brief intermission on tonight's episode. On tonight's episode, indeed. I all right, well. Popcorn and peanuts and Cokes in the middle. And be sure to keep your hands and arms inside the cart at all times. So, <laughs> with that being the ultimate ending, until next time, until then, everyone, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. See you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay, or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com for past episode information. <laughs>